House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back to the House of Run podcast. I'm Kevin. He's Jason. Run at gmail.com is our email address. We are on Twitter at House of Run. We are recapping the London Marathon this week on the show. And what a race it was, Jason. One for the ages, I believe. Yeah, I guess so. That's. I mean, it was uh, a... <laughs> one for the ages might be, you know, setting it up pretty high. I mean, it was... They certainly went out like they were going to try to some records were going down. Um, and I mean, it still was so still some great races and interesting, um, kind of developments, but, uh, obviously everybody slowed down after starting way faster than world record pace. It's weird that that happened on a hot day. No less. Um, let, let me redo the intro. It was a first five K <laughs> for the ages. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was still, you know, like I said, it's, I mean, you know, going away, you got Kipchoge still just like re cementing himself over and over. Like, yeah, it's just the greatest marathoner ever. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. no matter what, you know, it goes out in 61, which I guess was the, along with, like, eight other guys, was the all-time, you know, fastest first half of a marathon that wasn't breaking two, I guess. That's too many yes. qualifiers. But, um, and then still, you know, runs 204.17, obviously still slowed down in the second half. But whereas everybody else, like, slowed down to insane levels right. and, you know, completely, like, fell off. You know, he still ran, he still runs two oh four low like he does everywhere always. And yeah, it's just you just have to I, I just I'm just blown away by how good he is. Re cementing himself. How much cement is Ilya Kipchoge in when it comes to oh the my God. greatest <laughs> marathoner of all time debate? Is yes, he's built an entire fortress. Um just impenetrable. It's it's preposterous. I can't think of a way to describe it. The best I could do was to say like he's just not perturbed by anything in a marathon, yeah. and he looks like a guy who is racing a distance that he's completely comfortable with, as if it is a shorter distance for him. Like as if his main event is the fifty k, right? And he's dropping down in distance to run a marathon. That's that's the best way. I like that. Yeah. I could describe it. If someone asked me who had never seen Ilya Kipchoge run. You know, first of all, I'd just say he's like silky, silky smooth. Right. But then that would be the other way I would describe it. Like, hey, you know how when you see such and such who's a 10,000 meter runner run a 5,000 and they just looked in complete command the whole entire way? Like, they weren't stressed at all. They could deal with all the fluctuations in pace because they were just so fit and they were running a distance that it was so manageable for them. That's how Eliud Kipchoge looks. In every single marathon. This is eight in a row now, Jason. Nine of ten in his entire career. He only has one second place finish. Everything else is a W. And these things seem to follow like the same pattern now. Like one guy kind of can hang with him a little bit. In the fall, it was Adola. This one, it was Katata. I don't know if they mm. all have to rhyme <laughs> to contend with Kipchoge. Katata didn't last as long as Adola did. But the result was the same. Like you have this big group of people who wants to run with them. The pace is fast, so most of them fall apart. One of them can hang with them, 
and then Kipchoge just completely separates himself over the latter mile. Sometimes it's only sometimes it's in the last mile, but in this case it was I mean the last the last five K. I think he ran was a four forty four was it in mile twenty four? I think that's where he really Yeah, somewhere yeah, put, yeah, give or take a second or two, something like that. Put the um, hammer down. Yeah. Yeah, where it's just I mean, first of all, the yeah, the opening split, I know they say, you know, the first mile is fast. Downhill. Um downhill. Uh, but I mean, I went through the first 5k in 1348, Yep, which is, remember when uh, Geb was rabbiting and they ran like 1410 or 1420. I'm like, Whoa, what are you doing, Geb? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's insane. Uh, yeah, this is 156 20 pace. Um, so yeah, one fifty six twenty eight pace. Like that's that. I mean, the fact that anybody held on, um, haven't brought up Mo Farah, by the way, who, 206.20, and he was basically in that same group with Kipchoge mm-hmm. at halfway and throughout this entire race. Well, the first half of the race. Um, so, phenomenal race for Farah, I would say. Yeah. Uh, running 206, I, I, and he finished third. I, man, I was pretty close on that on that guess because I said he was going to finish third. Uh, and But I think I said he'd break 206. But um, still great, great race for Farah. I mean, he still beat, you know, he beat Bekele, mm-hmm. who who did finish, but almost ran 209. Um I mean, it, it dropped off quick. Yeah, you know, 204.17, Katata was 204.49, and then a minute and a half to Farah, and then another minute to Karui, and then another minute and a half to Kuroki. Like, it, it yeah. kind of fell apart quickly, as you'd expect in a way too fast start on, you know, a warm day. Yeah, I wonder what Farah could have done if he laid back. I wonder what a lot of these people could have done Yeah, if they laid back. This, this pace was too fast for Kipchoge, but that's... But only marginally too yeah. fast for Kipchoge. For everybody else, it was way too quick. I think he's fine with it going out that fast, Kipchoge, because he he's really good at racing the people, not at like racing the time, mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense. And I, I think he knows, hey, if this is way too fast for me, this is way too fast for everybody. And he's able to just like adjust on the fly and never really create a route. But I was impressed with Farah, especially after in the first 10K, he was – uh, getting into it, people on motorbikes. He missed a bottle. Yeah. Um, people were taking pictures of him when they were supposed to be handing him water. <laughs> like, what's what's going on there, London? What are you doing? <laughs> He's our Mo. You got to give him your bottle. You can't be. Yeah. I mean, nobody knew really what was going on at the time. Uh, they just looked like Farrah was like having an animated discussion with a guy on a motorcycle, and and I was confused as to what was happening. But yeah justifiably so when you find out he's trying to get the bottle and people are taking pictures right that's right it's not like he's trained guys for years for this race (laughs) and fluids are important um i mean what do you think do you think farah i mean he was criticized last time like for his racing tactics which was just stupid stupid criticism but i mean what what did you think of his decision to go that quickly they had multiple pace groups but just didn't seem like once the gun went off it was just like like a jv race just like oh whatever (laughs) yeah coach coach told me something i don't remember what it was i'm just gonna run to the front yeah there's supposed to be like 61 minute pace and then there was like 61 30 or 61 45 i think Mm -hmm. that was supposed to happen and i I think bakele said like oh he was planning on going in the the second group and farah said he was going to kind of basically kind of wait and see 
like the first, you know, how the first mile or so went. And he said, like, I think they both said it just got, it went so fast, so quickly what? that like, <laughs> it, it kind of threw off everything. Yeah. Um, it's because like, I, I mean, honestly, I mean, 61 is insanely fast for a first half, but if it was like a kind of even 61, like right. even that makes a huge difference. Like, I mean, you're, you know, but if you go 1348 for your first 5k and then 1430 and then you settle in to right. like 202 pace or whatever, um, th- I mean, that, that has to take some toll, especially on a day like that. So I, I, it's always so hard to, you know, I don't have my Bowerman math. Um, sitting outside on my picnic table, figuring out that could have cost yourself a good six seconds. But like, it, it, obviously, there's some sort of yeah thing that it, that it costs everybody. Um, yeah. But yeah, Kipchoge obviously is always just basically immune to whatever the race throws at him. I think, I think Farah was racing for place, and this turned out not to be a great opportunity to run fast. Like, yeah, I, I, I think if you really want to run fast it's it's berlin or it's dubai or it's one of those other marathons because mm. london it just seems like every year this happens where it's overly ambitious and you might be one of the people who hold on that one year but as, as a whole <laughs> it doesn't appear to be a good plan for everybody to go out in 1348 um i think that's weird though oh we were planning on going on the slower pace pack, but it went out so fast that we went out in the faster pack. What? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think Bekele said something like like I looked around and couldn't find like I, I mean I don't know how accurate that is or what you know I, I honestly obviously didn't run the race and I couldn't really tell what they were doing with the pacemaking. But yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to be like okay I'm gonna take this out nice and slow and four twenty mile okay. <laughs> um, like, that just doesn't seem, yeah, totally, um, yeah, make a lot of sense. Well, they went, yeah, they just threw out the plan really quickly. Yeah. They didn't They didn't stick to it at all. I mean, if Des Linden's in that race, you better believe it's not a 422 opening mile. Like, they just, <laughs> there was no faith at all in in their plan. Did you, I don't know, did you think at any point Kipchoge was vulnerable watching the race? No, like, I mean, you know, I kind of been saying for the last, well, I don't know, months and stuff, just like, so like I'm picking him every race he runs to win. Like I just, until he pre- like it starts clearly falling off. Like yeah. he's just, he's just so clearly at another level. And so you get him in that kind of position and it's just like, oh yeah, of course he's going to win. Like this is what he does. Like there, you know, you mentioned there's been over the 10 races or let's say the last eight in a row, like there's been probably seven or eight different guys who have tried to do this and he just, none of them can do it. So I, I, yeah, I mean, he's, he's the most predictable thing in sports until he's not, I guess. But like, I I just don't know when that's going to happen. So reliable and greatest of all time. I think it's. Yeah. I I don't even know how you make, I think, I think actually someone sent us an email. I'm getting ahead of ourselves about, making the argument how he's not the greatest of all time yeah i don't know how to make like i'm like literally trying to think of the way you go well he's not the best because dennis cometo has a faster pr <laughs> dennis cometo by the way also reliable in marathoning for dropping yeah. out again yes. just i mean until he finishes a race can we just stop with him this is maybe cometo's time to recapture the magic just let's just 
hold off on all that stuff until it actually happens. The email you're referring to is Sarah, who said, yes. I'm curious if you can make a good argument for Kipchoge not being the greatest marathon runner of all time. I'm pretty convinced he is. If you had to play devil's advocate, I think you'd say, well, <clears throat> yes, he doesn't have the world record. But then you'd have to answer the question, well, do who does have the world record then, Kevin? <laughs> oh, it's a person who ran one really, really good race, and that's pretty much it. Uh, actually, two. He ran well in Chicago and then and then Berlin. And Kipchoge's time is only eight seconds back Yeah, of that. So it's not like a Farah question where it's like comparing Farah and Bekele in the five, and you're like, whoa, one person's PR is like so much better than the other person. It's only a difference of eight seconds. I guess you could say, well, he hasn't won in New York or Boston, but he's won championship marathons because he's won the Olympics. Uh, Otherwise, you could say, well, he only does it when there's pacemakers. But that's not true because in Rio, he he dominated. I would like to see him run in New York and Boston just because I think it would be very, very fun. But I don't think there's an argument. I guess you could say, even though he's won this many in a row, he's only been doing this for four years. So I, I mm-hmm. guess you'd say, well, I'd like to see like a little more longevity out of him. But he's crammed into four years what nobody else has basically done in their entire career. So I, I, you could say, oh, he's only he's a shooting star, and I want to see him do it through 2020. And in four years in the marathon is a long. I mean, I guess yes. so. I guess he started in 2013, technically. You know, won Hamburg and then um, was lost Berlin in Berlin. That year. Yeah. So, so I mean, okay, he's going. He's going on year five, but he's nine right. of ten. And, and and we've mentioned, you know, how quick. You know, Jeffrey Mutai was the greatest marathoner in the world for almost two years, and it mm-hmm. was like that's that's a long time. Right. And then Wilson Kipsang was like a little bit longer, and then Kipchoge has just like oh, basically doubled like what they did yes and and he's still going like i don't know you know he's going to slow down at some point but like you know just ran 204 17 in not great conditions in a terribly paced race yeah um it, yeah and i you know i agree I, it would be cool to see you know new york boston um you know i and i think he would win those races i have a zero doubt he would um i'm guessing you know he he, he wants the world record clearly yeah, and you're not going to set the world record at Boston or New York, and you can't set it at Boston. I guess it's not possible. Right. Um. So, and I think that's probably the biggest reason that he hasn't run those. Also, probably London gives him a gigantic check. Um. Literally and figuratively, it, that thing is huge. It's yeah. So it's it's. So, so I, I can't even really blame him for that. Even though I yeah I would like to, I would like to see that. I'm looking just at the the Olympic marathon winners, mm-hmm. and. I mean, Bekele, a baby Bekele went back, like went back to back in 60 and 64. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, Frank Shorter won in 72 and then lost to Serpinski in 76. Although there's a lot of questions about Serpinski because he went back to back in 76 and 80. But in general, my point being, you know, to, a person winning back to back Olympics is very rare. So just underscores your point further that, we're not used to long-term like dominance in the marathon, um, mm. but I guess that would be like the only 
like that that's like all your that in the world record that's like the only thing you can hang your hat on really if you're trying to make that tortured argument of him not being the best ever unless there's something i'm missing and, and there's and there's no argument that the marathon isn't stronger than ever now as well right, right. i mean Ex- so it's exactly which is which is even more absurd like he is unquestionably the best ever right now and the marathon has never been stronger or deeper at all so it's like it's like compounding arguments like the fort just keeps getting more walls and it's just like he's not going to be conquered it's just so much concrete it's <laughs> it's incredible what what you're building over here uh i mean it's a good question it's it's interesting yeah. to to kick around when we're talking about pacing though when we were, we were talking back about why didn't Farrah lay off why didn't Bekele lay off and we're like well i don't know you get caught in the heat of the race it's not like there wasn't like an exact blueprint that was laid out to do just that in the women's race. Now the men did not yeah. get the the luxury of watching how the women's race <laughs> unfolded. True. Maybe if it was the day before the men's race, they'd have been <laughs> like, "Oh, I'm just going to do what Vivian Chariot did because she showed that if you run your own race and you run a s- almost even splits, very close to even splits, you can." beat somebody who or beat a group of people who choose to go out insanely fast and we knew this going in i mean this is why i didn't pick katani right mm. I, I picked Debaba because i didn't think Debaba would go with her i thought Debaba would do the chariot move chariot was in the third pace group the third pace group there was yeah. a, a group that was going out you know at, at 215 30 pace or whatever which by the way in the spirit of london it's important to note that they went out at 213.04 pace for the first 5k <laughs> Then they stayed at they stayed at two they stayed at two fourteen pace, all the way through through twenty k, and chariot uh, sorry uh, Katani hit halfway at sixty seven sixteen, which is slower than last year, which was interesting. Um, but I guess that was better, right? Because you actually had pacing this time, but slower. Um, yeah. And chariot just laid back, laid back, laid back, and then Katani couldn't hold the pace, and. Chariot just kept trucking, and that was that was it. I mean, it was it wasn't very dramatic. Like once you just like looked at the numbers, math and physiology were not on Mary Katani's side at that point. It was all Chariot, right? Yeah, and it's yeah, yeah. It was it was basically yeah identical race. I mean, Katani is is probably you know she's on the shorter shortish list of the best female marathoners ever. Um, Dababa is obviously insanely talented and has already run you know the second or third fastest time ever um so so you had like two absolute monsters but other than that like basically this race was identical to the men's race except cherry just was like no i'll just kind of do my thing and see how this works out whereas no one in the men race really did that uh, well and, and katani had- fell apart more than Kip- if you're making the comparison of kipchoge to katani well that's i think i think as, as great as katani is Maybe you know Katani's Bekele. Um, okay, she, you know, she's not quite Kipchoge. Uh, <laughs> so there was no just, Kipchoge in the women's field. That's basically. the thing. It's like there's no, there's no like just completely impossible. Yeah, like to beat force in that women's race. Uh, Katani is like as close as you could probably get. Um, yeah. But we've seen her. You know, it's been a while, but like she did this at New York where she mm-hmm. went out too fast and just it come back to bite her. And she runs with absolutely no fear of you know, just getting of completely falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and every once in a while, that's going to, that's going to bite you a little bit. Credit her for finishing. And she won the 
world marathon majors overall title. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if that. I don't know if she had it sewn up before the fifth place finish, but maybe that's why she <clears throat> she kept going because she just knows she she knew she needed to do it because she did not drop out. I mean, did Baba dropped out, but other than that, just there were not many DM, DNFs. I mean, for how fast everything went out. In yeah. The men, in the men's side, all those guys stuck in. Guya Adola ran two thirty two, I and mean, he's off the pack like early. He went through at sixty three twenty five, which, you know, if he ran even splits, that'd have been what two oh six fifty. He got fourth place, but instead he ran a one nineteen second half. So he was in there to win it. I don't know. Like nobody dropped out. It was weird. Wanjiro Wanjiro yeah. stuck in. Chirono stuck in. Bekele stuck in. Debaba was really the only one, and she gave it a go. She kept walking and jogging and walking and jogging and then eventually threw in the towel but i was just i was impressed with chariot's poise i knew she was capable of running this time physically right uh, what's it the f- number five all time i believe um but fourth fastest woman right just radcliffe kitani and are faster uh yeah that sounds right i think yeah yeah um which is a good group to be in and like this is what the flaw was the whole time with that plan of Katani, like in terms of winning, is she's going to go for it, but she's going to go for it in a race where everybody else is also getting male pace setters. Right. And Chariot's pace setters, way better than Katani's. Like at a certain point, the dudes pacing Katani, like thought it was like a breaking two thing where like they had to run at that pace. Did you see that? Like they were legit like 10, 15 meters in front. I'm like, all yeah. you're doing is pissing her off. You're not giving her any advantage in terms of breaking the wind because you're way too far ahead. And all you're doing is probably just making her angry because I've had people try to pace me. And I'm like, dude, you're not helping. Just get, just, just slow down like for two seconds. And the gap stayed the same. It's not like they were pulling away. It's like, if you're going to run the same pace as me, don't do it 15 yards in front of me. Do it like directly in front of me so I can get right. some benefit of running. And Cheru, we didn't see her pacers as much, but I mean, at the very least, they weren't annoying her. As much as Katani's, I just don't get that. Like, oh, we're gonna run at two fifteen pace when it, clearly she's not at two fifteen pace anymore. Like, at what point? I want to know what the directions were because at what point do you say we're gonna help her, we're gonna pace her, versus we're gonna run this pace, hell or high water? Because they seem to be doing neither. They're like, oh, we're just gonna get in front and kind of we're gonna run like two fifteen ish pace, but really all we're doing is running in front of you. So that way, if you catch us, we'll speed up again. <laughs> To get to 215 pace right. to, to drive you further insane. So you can also yell in a motorbike. Yeah, pretty pretty much. I mean, that's... I mean, what is that? What's the point of that? I don't get it. I, I'm, I'm with you. You're right. It doesn't <clears throat> make sense. And it would be just frustrating, I would think. I mean, and you know, unless the, the talk with the pacemakers is basically just, hey, stay at 215 blah, blah, blah pace. But even then, if, yeah, if you just, if you're constantly... 15 meters ahead there's it doesn't make doesn't help at all well um, she didn't she run like her from 30 to 35 k wasn't it like a like a high 1650 it was way off right like it was really slow or seven, yeah. 1733 from 30 yeah, to 35 right. and they were still in at that point like <clears throat> running in front of her so they weren't running 215 pace either but they also weren't helping her i don't know if I mean, ultimately i don't know if it mattered but it just th- just get off then at that point right right just step off like there's no point really in you being out there if you're gonna run like that guys who are still dressed like footlocker employees like what <laughs> what is that too <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, that's that's the standard, I guess. That's been that's going back as long as I've been watching this race, I think. Do you know what they all should be? All the pacers should be a different part of the picture of the Cuddy Sark, so that way when they run together three across, yes, you see the entire ship. It'll look like it's flapping in the wind, too. And yeah, it'd be good. 18th um, century clipper ship. <laughs> uh, I want to run through some another email here. We have a lot of emails this week, we, so thank you, everybody. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. This one was from, I think this is, yeah, Brian, the email from me from Raleigh, but uh, now from Pennsylvania. Drink? He said, with Chief absent from the voicemail line, I'd like to take a page out of his book. Of the below performances, are they big, small, or deal? Big deal, small deal, or does it move the needle at all? Um, and he has some different ones who won a marathon. And he has some other races that we can talk about too, but... Uh, his first one, Kipchoge winning London. Big deal, small deal. Doesn't move the needle at all. No deal. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it It doesn't move the needle at all because he's already, like, I don't know how you move the needle in a better direction for Kipchoge because mm-hmm. the needle's, like, already, like, at maximum capacity. There's that little blocker needle, so it doesn't, like, go past <laughs> the gauges and it doesn't overheat and explode. Um, but still, in, just just another crazy impressive win by Kipchoge. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say big deal in the after Berlin. Like he got challenged more than he ever had, mm. and I wanted to see how he bounced back. So big deal. Uh, Katata's second place in PR. This is Tola Katata of Ethiopia. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, this has to be a big deal. Uh, you know, I, as far as I don't know if he's going to be a perennial contender for the next three years um but you run 204.49 in a race ran like that in that kind of day uh and the only one within you know really really far spitting distance of Kipchoge like that's that's a big deal anytime you're remotely close to Kipchoge you basically won the race because you were in a race because Kipchoge is <laughs> in it like so you 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 won the marathon outside of the greatest of all time you won so like there's a drop down menu elite charity Relay team, and then there's like a drop down that says non Kipchoge division. Yeah, exactly. That's the only fair way to do it. Congratulations, Shura Katata. Moe's British record, but going out with the leaders. I think the record to me is a big deal insofar as the British press will be really enamored with it and it will get them off of his back a little bit. And it probably helps that he felt like he had, you know did a better job than he did in 2014. Mm-hmm. But I I mean if you told me Mo Farah was going to run 206 in this race I wouldn't have been surprised. So, medium deal. I'm going with medium deal. <laughs> yeah, it Yeah, him finishing third and, and like I said another to run 20621, like I said not surprising in that aspect to do it in the way he did it is is impressive. And I I mean I'm super high on Farah on the marathon. Like I think he could be a really great marathoner. Uh, and this, this, this puts the needle in that direction. So I'm, you know, I, yeah, medium deal sounds right. Medium deal. Bekele, sixth place finish. Uh, s- small deal. Uh, it, I mean, he just, you know, this, this race didn't set up well for him, but, uh, you know, the Bekele, I mean, as, as he's already run, you know, 203 low, um, which is, it's just insane. And, and impressive. Uh, but the, you know, Bekele 
like being a great marathoner. Like it, it's it's been like on a, on a teeter back and forth. Like he's certainly an elite marathoner, and he's you know you have to mention him anytime he's in a race. And this yeah. race just didn't go well for him. But you know the the dream of okay, hey the world record holder in the five, the ten, like. I, I don't, you know, he's not, I don't think he's going to reach those levels in the marathon, but yeah. like, so it, it's a small deal, but I'm not saying like, oh, he's done or he's not a competitive, you know, he's not a, an elite guy, but because he clearly is. Here are Michele's marathons since he started. He hasn't run that many, so I can run through these. He was, uh, he debuted in Paris in 2014, <clears throat> where he won 205.04. Uh, if you remember, I was not a fan of that race, Jason. Yeah, uh, I recall that very well. <laughs> Then he was fourth in Chicago in a race Elliot Kipchoge won. Didn't run any in 2015. 2016, he was third in London, and then he won Berlin, 203-03. Yep. Uh, last year, he DNF'd in Dubai, second in London, and then DNF'd in Berlin. And then now we have the sixth-place finish. So I think it's a, it's a big deal in that he's just – proven he's inconsistent but i think we already knew that there's no real rivalry between him and kipchoge and consistent as we learn in boston especially i mean consistency matters is he out of the question for another world marathon major no like he could definitely yeah he could definitely hit it but i just think he's just not in another class uh, he's, he's not in the same class as Kipchoge. Nobody is, um, and, and he's particularly inconsistent. Speaking of which, Adola's seventeenth place finish. Brian wants to know. Big deal, little deal. I, I, yeah, that's. I, I'll still go small deal, um, just because it's. This seems like the kind of race where he just completely second know, marathon fell apart. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I you know, add him to the list of inconsistent marathoners, which is almost all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it just was one of those kind of days, and I, I it's only yeah, a second marathon, but you know, obviously he he had one very good one, one very bad one, uh, so little deal, uh, but uh, yeah, we'll wait and see on that. I, yeah. I I agree. I mean, I don't know if it's is it a Kometo situation or is it a just a blip? Chariots win in London. I think you have to say big deal anytime yeah. you know you run a all time performance like that. But again, not not surprising given what. Given what she was capable of, and given the <laughs> death sentence that Katani and Debaba signed up for, for some reason, yeah, two eighteen thirty on that day is yeah. yeah a big deal. I mean, that's that's and and yeah, immediately throws herself into you know. I mean, she's she's only run I think three marathons at this point, um, so I can't you know I'm not saying she's the best in the world, but like she's immediately on that list of mm-hmm. like. Hey, she's she's the fourth fastest marathoner ever, and two of the three people who are still active in front of her, uh, she just beat in this race. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that's that's gonna be a big deal. The next one is Katani's blow up. I, I say little deal, mm-hmm. but I think the fact that she finished and the fact look at this point, I think what Katani like to her the getting the world record is way more important than winning London again. And I right. think she probably made that calculation. I think she's smart enough and been around enough to realize, like, hey, this is going to be feast or famine. I could do this and then win. But if I don't do it, I could fall completely out of the top three, which is which is what happened. So I, 
I think for her in this race, which is it was world record or nothing. Credit to her for finishing the race, trudging through the last miles. But it was almost as if, like, she didn't really care what would happen. There was like a five percent chance that this went well, <laughs> right? Like. The, that time is a world record for a reason and it's so much fat. So male pacers, like whatever, it's still, you're still running it and it's still incredibly hard. So there were low odds that this was going to happen. She knew that. I think to her credit, she went after it, was ambitious. Um, but I would, I wouldn't say it's that big of a deal. If, if this was a tactical race, like if she runs New York in in the winter, am I really holding this one? against her probably not it would help i mean if she did it i'd be like oh my gosh she did it she's gonna be a favorite from now until eternity yeah but um it doesn't the fact that she got fifth didn't doesn't really change much no i i I, yeah i agree a small deal um just because it's you know it's still a, a slight ding i suppose but um you know she ran she finished ninth two years ago at london um that's when and I then, said she was over. was over. Yeah, and then won New York and London the next New York that fall, and then London the next spring, and then was second in New York last year. So, I, yeah, she's still, you know, if 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 Kipchoge wasn't around, she she'd still probably have the most impressive resume of any male or female marathoner. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I'm looking at all her finishes, and it's a whole bunch of firsts, <laughs> um, a couple seconds. And then a ninth and a sixth. I mean, that's that's basically what it is, and that's and that's that's crazy. I mean, she's. Let's see, I'm looking right now. So her first marathon was 2010 New York. She got third, right? And she got third there. But then after that, she went first, 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 second, first, ninth, first, first, second, and then this race. Look, I know we have most of the people listening are from the United States, and we're really into. You know, Desi Linden's win and Meb's win and Flanagan's win. But, like, the U.S. is not the only country who's going to have people being successful late into their careers in the marathon. Like, other people, other countries are figuring it out, too. Right. So, I, that's why I'm so, way... And I made this bad assumption, too, when she did bad in London before. Like, oh, yeah, you look at how old she is. Like, yeah, this is probably it for her. I think there's going to be a lot of Kenyans and Ethiopians like Edna Kiplagat who are going to continue to succeed late in their career, which is, I'm not going to, I'm not going to really say anybody has no chance. Um, maybe with the exception of Dennis Cometo, who's the next person on our list. Dennis Cometo's DNF in Vienna. He wants to know big deal, small deal. Doesn't move the needle. Uh, I, I will just say this doesn't move the needle. Yeah. It doesn't move the needle because the needle's been on empty for a while. And that's, you know, sad. Like, I don't root against Dennis Cometo. It's just, he's so clearly done. Like, and he has been for years, literally. Um, so, yeah, it's a bummer. But, yeah, I, I you could not get me to get excited about Dennis Cometo in a race. Like, if he does a great performance, let me know about it. But I don't care that mm-hmm. he's, don't let me know the world record holder is running in, you know, tiny marathon. And he's going to drop out. And- well, yeah, and if he was in world record shape, he wouldn't be running in Vienna. Uh, he dropped out of two and sixteen. Uh, in seventeen, he ran. He ran in London. He was ninth to eleven. Two thousand fifteen, he was third in London. Uh, he also, and then he had two DNFs after that. So that I think twenty fifteen London, 
was his last. Was the last good one. So that's three years. Th- three solid years. And yeah, that's. I mean, dude, Jeffrey Mutai was like good three years ago. It's like let's we. I mean, Billion buried him. Like it's. Well, uh, this is this is much. This is a precipitous drop off. This right. is like what happened. This is Danny Green three point shooting level <laughs> of just. Still not over that, by the way. I I surprised it took thirty six minutes to get the NBA uh, reference in there. I mean, granted, That's, we talked about it pre pod, but for a while pre pod, yeah. folks. <laughs> That'll be on the the bonus episode. Uh, Debaba's DNF. Brian wants to know. This is the last. This is the last marathon related one that he has for his big deal, small deal. Uh, really small deal. Um, just I I still think I'm still insanely high in Debaba. She's run. Ex- impossibly well to start off her marathon career uh and this you know went out too fast hot day it, yeah small small deal small small deal man i'm not sure this one's tough hmm i she hasn't been like has she is she more in the Bekele camp of like we don't know? Like I mean, like she's possible. gonna be consistent or where where are we at on that, I guess? It's a, I mean it's a fair question. I mean she was insanely consistent on the track, but so was Bekele, so that's not um helping my argument. Let's see. Um let's pull up her results here. Jesus, she has a gigantic Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> not clear not it not as long as your boy yuki's <laughs> oh my god yeah you Very like Wiki, wikipedia had to get like extra server space for wikipedia for yuki's marathons that's actually true <laughs> uh i cannot pull up because she uh, literally has every race she's ever run like in her entire life here and i don't know someone's really ambitious yeah it's it's like really is crazy um but she's obviously she's run yeah, I mean, I, she could be um, Bekele esque though in in the marathon, which isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, they both had an insanely elite time, right? Um, you know, er, really early on, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'll still be, I'll still be probably picking her to win whatever race she chooses next. Yeah. Um. So I, I, it'll. It, that's why it's just a small deal for me, just because I. I'm still really, really high on the Dababa train. Yeah, I, I am too. I was just wondering since we're making so many like comparisons to people. Yeah, I just wonder where she fit in in that, on that spectrum. Um, one more thing on the marathons. Well, two more things. One, if Chariot continues to excel, the one guarantee we have is that in 2020 she will not be on the Kenyan <laughs> Olympic team. Very and true. Two, and two, um. I don't know. It's kind of gone back and forth. I'm not sure, but for a while, like Rupp was going to run in Prague in the marathon, which would have been only 20 days, I believe, since he dropped out of Boston. I was I was surprised, but I'm wondering what your reaction. Well, what if he does end up running? What will your reaction be, regardless of whether or not you see the time? Just the decision. Yeah, it's. I I was surprised. I mean, in a way, I understand it because you know you. train you're in the best shape of your life whatever um but i'm sure he was you know really geared up for boston and then it was just a complete disaster um you know from every aspect basically Uh, and so you want to get in a spring marathon so 
because so you don't have to wait until fall basically like you don't want to mm-hmm. like there's you know there there is you still want to be able to run fall but you you don't want to wait too long to where then your build up to the whatever you run in the fall isn't right so like it's it's it, I, I understand it but it still would be surprising because i you know i'm blanking on how long he dropped out after was it like 30k yeah about 30k i think was the last split i mean that was right when i mean karui made the move at 17 miles yeah and the 30k is 18 miles so right i mean i guess you could you know say that hey that's your last big long run before <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> before the marathon uh I did not run that marathon. I never run that marathon. Uh, but it seems like 18 miles in that weather, in that kind of conditions, would be as taxing on your body as an actual marathon would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Boston Marathon winner uh, will also probably run four marathons before then. So, I, you know, I kind of want to see it just because I want to see Rupp run a race, obviously. Um, but it's a little surprising just because I'm surprised, I guess, they're being... I don't know if risky is the right word, but that like aggressive. Yeah, that's what I thought too. And you know, he doesn't have anything to prove, really, right? He wins Prague. It's like okay, you won Prague, right? I mean, he's won the Chicago Marathon. Yeah, I, I guess if you're trying to get a a fast time, but I would think if he's trying to get a fast time, he can get into to Berlin and really let it rip. I think he has enough clout to pull that off. In the fall. So, mm. yeah, it surprised me they would rush. I guess they know something that we don't about how fit he still is and how much that that impacted him or did not impact him. Right. I I just, I, yeah, I was a little, if he ends up doing it, I, I think I'll be a little surprised just because the cost-benefit analysis. And But maybe the other thing is he's probably in shape just for a marathon. That's the tough thing about marathon training. It's not like he's like, okay, well, I'll just run a, I'll run a really fast 10K at right. Pre. It's like, no, he's he's signed up. <clears throat> he's he's now attached to the marathon, which is tough. Um, you mentioned your boy Yuki. He ran a 104 last weekend, uh, six days after Boston. So he, he recovered okay. Yeah. He's also, I mean, I guess he ran his race pace, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he ran the Boston but, pace again. He's also going pro. So I hope this does not, this does just not ho- change. Hilarious that like he's just like because you go of course he's a pro no he wasn't like that's so weird uh but i'm glad that he is going pro because he should can you just go to his wikipedia page for me while we're talking oh my god absolutely yeah just i i want i want your uh reaction because i think someone there listed i think they've listed all of his those are all of his marathons i believe so it's not even it's not and maybe some of the major half marathons but it's not including anything yeah i mean the the yeah just the straight results so go to go to Babyface Destroyers page for me really quick. Just because the way they separate the different categories and everything, her page is actually longer um, because it's chaos and it's impossible to find anything. As long as uh, Kaiuchi's is, it's super easy to find what you're looking for, which I like. Um, but uh, yeah, it's... Oh, geez. Yeah. Tanisha Baba's is like War and Peace. <laughs> it's 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 a it's insane like yeah while you're listening to the podcast just check it out real quick it's uh well it's, it's yeah. yeah well it's as long as war and peace and it's kind of like true detective season two and that you have no idea what is going on <laughs> like what season am i in who is this where what what is taylor kitsch talking about why yeah, is where's vince, <laughs> why is vince von a bad guy but he's like a really bad bad guy like, he doesn't make any like 
I mean, like this, yeah, because this, oh my you know, gosh, can, they have, sorry. No, please. World Athletics Finals was an annual athletics competition organized by the IAAF from 2003 to 2009. Okay, so they're talking about, they're not talking about the World Championships, they're talking about the World Athletics Final, which nobody knows about or cares about. In these races, DeBabo's win-loss record against the following women is as followed. He did the, this person did the individual win-loss record <laughs> against Chariot, Ejigayu DeBaba, Melkamu, Ajay, like all these people. Like she was one three against Mesret Defar, zero and zero against Paula Radcliffe. Like she included Paula Radcliffe in there for some reason. And then has a total win-loss record, 14 and 5 for 73.7%. That's a, what stat is that? I have never seen that stat before. What is going on? But if you want to find, hey, what has she done? How many marathons has she done? And what did she run them in? No idea. Could not find that in there. So, yeah, it's it's the one of the weirder uh, pages I've ever seen. Uh, Kaiuchi's, though, I mean, <clears throat> insanely uh, long, but really easy to read. So, oh, there's also the Grand Prix World Athletics Challenge records, too. She went 26 and 11. <laughs> And she went 27 and four in other outdoor track and cross country races. But the years are all like completely like arbitrary. It doesn't make any sense. 14 and five though. Hey, she's, that's, that's pretty solid. That's, You'll make yeah. the playoffs most of the time with that. 26 and 11. Well, I'm trying to think of, uh, well, 27 and four, you get a one seed in the East probably 27 and four, depending on your strength of schedule. Oh yeah. Easily. We're we'll to call your boy Joe Lenardi, see if we can get some bracketology on that. But oh man, okay. Brian's email is the longest email. Well, not the longest email ever read, but we've just been discussing it for a long time. Uh, he has two other big deal, not a, not big deal, little deal, but it's from track, so that'll segue us out of the marathon stuff. Uh, Clayton Murphy's one forty seven for second amount sack, and Michael Norman's forty four fifty three, which was part of a, a USC. One two with him and Rob Benjamin, right? Uh, yeah, he, Murphy one forty seven for second. That's that doesn't really move the needle for me. I don't think. Uh, I mean that's same old same old thing. Yeah, until, that's, that's until about, we get going. I mean, I'm not gonna worry about Murphy until like Diamond League stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like if he's still running one forty seven in you know end of May June and stuff. Okay, that's a little strange, but um, yeah, I don't think that's a that's an issue. Norman forty four five. Uh, I mean, he's been obviously insanely impressive for months now, um, but I'll still give him a small deal, I guess, just because, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really excited to see him kind of fully unleashed. I mean, it's going to be a bummer when we get to late in the season when he's completely worn out, so he can't run fast probably anymore for this year, but uh, until then, it's going to be awesome. Well, NCAA, if NCAA is going to be fast, and I think that's yes. the end of it. I mean, why run outdoors this year? That's, I mean, that's a good point. Why continue? Nothing, yeah. Yeah. Wait until 19, and then maybe we'll see something better. Uh, Rob, a.k.a. the Robcat, which is an awesome name. Yeah. Uh, says, the thing that bothers me most about the new Hayward Field design is the Bowerman Tower, particularly the name. If they're going to honor the legendary coach with a nine-story high column, how the heck did it not get named the Bower Tower or Bowerman Towerman? <laughs> this lost opportunity <laughs> is beyond me. I've heard other, uh, I guess I would say more juvenile names mm. for said <laughs> description. Right. Um, some with alliteration, some with not a, a, no alliterative <laughs> qualities. But uh, 
The Bower Tower is interesting. Bower Tower is not bad. I feel like it should be called the Bowerman Towerman, and then people would end up calling it the Bower Tower. Um, I yeah, I'm all aboard the Bowerman Towerman because I think it's just hilarious sounding. And but the Bower Tower then has a, it's a good shorthand for that. Well, they had the Bowerman Building and then the Bowerman Curve. Those, those are fine. Right. I like that it's a nine-story tower. <laughs> not over the top at all. Nope, definitely not. Have you changed? Have you has has your opinion changed on the renovation? You're you have to just be happy that you you saw it in its original form. I'm telling I'm telling people if you haven't seen it yet, like now you have to go, like hurry right. and go. Yeah, no, I, I I'm very happy that I got to see it uh, before whatever ends up happening. Um, even if it you know even if they were smaller renovations like more in line with what we were hoping for um i'd still happy that i'd be able to see it kind of in its original you know form uh but yeah certainly now that it's still you know maybe completely changing uh i would yeah try to get to pre or something quickly like asap yeah ncaa's or something and you can look at the spot where the bowerman towerman is going to one day be (laughs) can't wait just add uh, the Bowerman Towerman and leave everything else the same. Just the tower. Just an enormous tower there. Um, they can put seats on it. Uh, in other, I guess, trials-related news, yeah. Um, Atlanta was named the host for the 2020 marathon trials. Have you ever been to Atlanta? Uh, only the airport on a few occasions, so not okay. really. No, neither have I. Um, Meb, I Meb backed the bid, though. So yeah, that was, so that's, that's good enough for me. That's that is an endorsement I care about. Um, yeah, I don't have strong opinions on this. I guess. I guess it was mainly between them and Chattanooga. No, Jason. I haven't been. Austin. It was between Austin, yeah. Chattanooga, and Orlando. Uh, that's right. I mean, Austin would have been awesome for obvious reasons. Because um, they would have followed me around. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, Atlanta—they hosted the Olympics before, so correct. You know, I think they'll probably do a a just fine job. What's the what's the like the most likely Atlanta sports star to show up at the marathon trials between the Braves, Ooh. the Falcons, the Predators, and the Hawks? Who's the most <laughs> likely to show up to a marathon trials? It's a great question. Man, who would be who would have any interest in? in I have running? my I have my answer, but I'll give I'll you. You're just locked and loaded and ready. It's like Kent Bazemore or something like that. Um, wow, that was <laughs> actually it was Dennis Schrader. Oh, okay, <laughs> perfect for no reason. Just yeah, um, yeah. I'm trying to think. I, you know, no Braves. I mean, uh, Ronald Cunha just got called up for the Braves. I can't imagine that he's just super interested in track and field, but I'd yeah. like to hope so because he's like an interesting baseball prospect. Um, Freddie Freeman's their will best be player. There. Will he be there in 2020? No. Oh, at the Braves? Or just at the actual trials? Well, well, yeah. Will he be playing for an Atlanta franchise then? I believe so because he has like seven years of team control. So, um, yeah. Freddie Freeman. I don't know. He's the best Braves player. Uh, okay. I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to say Matt Ryan might end up being like mm. an honorary starter. Or like a guy who holds the tape. I could see, I that, see that. Yeah. Julio Jones is really fast, so maybe he likes to see people be fast. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Sure. That's, Matt Ryan's a good one, though. 
he'll still be playing there at that point. I mean, if they've won a title by then, although I guess it's on a leap leap year day too. That's fe- right, February 29th, twenty twenty. So I guess they'll Atlanta teams only have two more. Well, depending on what season, two more years to try to win a championship to be relevant before the. <laughs> Yeah, he's still the most famous athlete in in Atlanta, though, for sure. I would think so. Besides Kent Basemore. Well, yeah, I mean that goes without saying. That's... All right, next Mookie, up, Mookie Blaylock will show up. Oh, don't think that will happen. Is he is he in jail? Is he? Oh, I did not know that. I just he, was pulling out a '90s Hawks player. He uh he got into a car accident. Oh, which huh. ended with somebody dying. Um, oh well, that don't feel great about that then. Sorry. Yeah, well, I'm just looking at it right now. It says he received prison sentence and fatal crash. That was from 2014. I don't know if he's still. Oh yeah, 15 years. Wow. Since the since the 15 years. Okay. Well, um, I always definitely. liked the name Mookie Blaylock, but now I, that's just my go-to for a random basketball reference to the 90s. But I'm going to change that now. Who? Yeah. Let's. Who else? Who else could you could you throw out there? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, Dominique is just, he's too good, I feel like, to be a random reference, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still associate Al Horford a lot with the Hawks, even though he's not on the Hawks at this point. Yeah. There was, sorry, more Mookie Billock. The Pearl Jam had a song about him, too. Remember? He was a thing. He, yeah, yeah. He was like uh, an all-star a couple times, right? Well-known, yeah. Very well-known. Yeah. Um, I guess the album was called? Or the tour? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, they really were random. named after it. Yeah. So you, you, you weren't the only one doing callbacks. Right. That's good. Um, yeah. Oh, he had a quadruple right. double in 98. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Oh, Who no, did? he didn't. No, I was going to say, because they, a YouTube video popped up, and it says 14 points, 11 assists, 10 steals, but he only had eight rebounds. So he almost, yeah. the rebounds, which is the easiest part to get, could not, uh, could not secure the quadruple double. I can't think of anybody else on that team. At the, at the moment. The mid-90s Hawks? Yeah. I mean, I think it was just general. They're generally forgettable. Anyway, uh, let's go to... We got a lot of people writing in with their Boston experiences here. Uh, I'm trying to see which one to go to. Well, let's just, let's just chip away at these. How about that? Yeah. Uh, Andrew said, guys, I just caught up with the Boston Recap Pod. Wanted you to know it was my first Boston. And the weather made it awesome. It's truly epic, and I'll always be able to say I ran in that monsoon for days after people went out of their way to stop me to say congratulations. Even previous Boston runners who'd noticed this year's jacket, I like to go back in better conditions, but it was amazing to be a part of. That is Andrew. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it's... It, yeah, as it's, it's not fun as it had to be to run that race, uh, it's, it's cool to, like... It's a good memory, I would imagine, to have. Like, hey, I ran in that awful like crazy like thing and it's like a good sense of accomplishment that you finished and a lot of pros didn't uh and then mike we got a lot of these actually i'm gonna i'm gonna get to as many as we can here mike the city planner yeah uh, he says go zoning (laughs) (laughs) said you asked for people's experience running boston's here we go uh he's run boston once before uh, when it was a warm day in 2016, did not go well. This year, I was running with a friend and aiming for 245. Leading up to the race day, the weather forecast just kept getting worse and worse. Of course, you always hold out hope, but hope means nothing when the running gods are angry. Race morning was cold. It was wet. It was windy. 
I was happy to have brought lots of throwaway clothes from Canada because I was already soaked by the time we boarded the school buses to Hopkinton. Arriving at the Athletes' Village was something out of a movie. The fields were muddy and the wind and rain showed no signs of easing up. It felt like, and I hate to say this, a refugee camp. We actually got like three other references, to a couple of the references at least to that this specific description. Athletes walking with their heads down and plastic bags on their feet, wind howling into the tents, ankle deep mud. At one point, volunteers had to force my wave to leave the tent and go to the unprotected starting area. Uh, onto the race, he says, knowing the conditions, my friend and I backed off our 245 goals and decided to just go by effort. Let me say this about the weather. I watched a replay of the elite race and got angry every single time the announcers mentioned, quote, it looks like the weather is letting up because it never <laughs> let up. Staying in packs to block the headwind helped, but nothing could stop the at times torrential downpours and chill in the air. Taking the tight right turn onto the start of the Newton Hills, I asked my Bostonian friend, this is the start of the hills, right? And as soon as we started climbing, the rain increased tenfold. I could only laugh. I literally started laughing. <laughs> and that's kind of how the race went. The weather sucked, but it was a ton of fun. The crowd still mostly came out, and it still was the same historic Boston course. We ran a very even effort, and thanks to what I consider a weak PR of 257, I was able to PR with 255, and as Jason says, the Boston time is at least 10 minutes faster on a good day. Thanks for letting me debrief. That is Mike, the city planner. So, yeah, he's got a, uh, a 245 that was named now. Yeah, if you run 255 in that, I'm confident you're going to run 245. And, yeah. and a, you know Boston, which isn't particularly quick anyway. What if you Dude, go to Prague and run? Yeah, Mike, go to Berlin, man. Like, just run, break 240. Yeah. I, we're, we're high on Mike after this. 255 this is, in that race is right? very, yeah, yeah, big deal. Big deal. Um, we got two other ones here. So from Matan, who's full recap, I want to give his site here so people want to read the one. Uh, Matan's, M-A-T-A-N's races.blogspot.com. I pulled out a couple excerpts. He said, on race morning, I was prepared to be standing around in freezing temps, pouring rain, gale force winds. He wore six layers of shirts, six layers of garbage bags, and put grocery bags around my shoes. He said it looked like a war zone. Masses of people huddled t- together, seeking shelter from the freezing downpour, mud everywhere. Uh, he says, by mile t- four- 22, not 42, that would have been bad. Uh, the voice inside my head was begging to stop and walk. I was getting slammed by wind and freezing rain. My fingers were stinging and numb. And I had no energy left. The urge to stop was so strong, but I refused to give in. I told myself, no matter what happens, you are not going to walk during the Boston Marathon. My pace slowed dramatically. It was reduced to a shuffle. kept plodding along. When I turned onto Boylston, the significance of everything dawned on me. Off in the distance stood the finish line of the Boston Marathon, but it was not just the finish line of the race. The finish line would have been a 10-year journey. Wish I could say I was able to soak in the moment. I wish I could have knowledge the crowd and incredible energy to finish. But I was in such a mind-blowing distress that my only focus was getting across um, the finish line. And then we got another one from, I believe it's Pally, P-A-L-L-E. My apologies if I pronounce that wrong. Uh, He is on Instagram, life underscore catalyst. Um, But he said he didn't see much of the weather on the bus. That was mainly because all the windows were misty from the rain and the cold. (laughs) Uh, Again, he talks about the athlete field and just how much of a mess it was out there. Um, People taking shelter from the rain. He said at 17K, uh, may have been the tree cover vanishing, the wind and rain may have picked up, or the route turned more into the wind. It may have been all these things, but I just knew that the fun run was over and the rest of the race would be a grind. <laughs> Sought shelter trying to draft other runners, but apart from maybe a full mile once on the course, uh, he says it was hard to find someone that had the size to shelter me running at the same pace and not losing uh, pace on the rolling hills and the route. My Masa Marathon was therefore mostly a solo effort. Uh, as I turned... 
the last corner on Tobos, and I really couldn't enjoy the last stretch. Seems to be a theme here. Right. <laughs> My watch already showed 42.2 uh, kilometers, and I just wanted to cross the finish line. The stretch of Boylston Street felt long when I finally crossed the finish line. At 42.6 on my watch, I was just happy it was over. I was cold, wet, well spent, done the best the day had allowed. Uh, and he ran 2.52, a new personal best by more than four minutes. Whew. So, like, him and Mike were, like, so yeah, close, close to each other. And they both listened to the show. That's that's fun. And they both have uh, now PRs in the 240s. So Yeah, that's... and they're both, yeah, they're both very fast. Like, well, that's that's really impressive. Like, just finishing in general is, is impressive in that day. Um Breaking three. That's that's really good. Uh, Allison writes in. It says, has Jason cursed the marathon weather gods? Probably. Well, he cursed the entire 200 last year. Uh, he true. says, no Boston, London double to report on for me this year. But I have just done my annual inspection of the Cuddy Sark along with 40,000 others. And I did tune into last week's hypothermic-tastic madness. So here are some quick thoughts and questions. I was due to miss the Boston coverage to take my kids to swim class. Then my son fell over and stripped a layer of skin off his arm, requiring us to stay home. I'm not saying I was rejoicing in his injury, but okay, I was literally <laughs> punching the air, air getting to watch that craziness unfold. Uh, two, Gabe Grunwald tweeted that Yuki Kauchi won't get the love he deserves because Des stole the show. But in the UK, Yuki is such a hero in running circles that Desi barely got a mention. Sarah Sellers probably got more media coverage here because the Brits love an amateur success story. That makes sense to me. I was telling people after I said the bigger upset is Yuki. It's not. It's not Dez, and it would make perfect sense that out of the United States, you know, the whole like oh, first American women in thirty-three years winning. That's that's a that's a U.S. type story. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's interesting, but it's a, it's a U.S. type story, and you know, some people thought Des Linden would get in the top five in this race. Nobody thought Yuki Kawaguchi was getting in the top five in this race. I mean, did have. I guess we had a couple might, people who, yeah, didn't. Who was it? Who? I, I, he tweeted us. He was in the yeah. Let's Run competition, and he had Kawaguchi two behind career, yeah. which was okay. insanely he, impressive. He did. He did. He was the only <laughs> one. I mean, that was it. Um, yeah, I mean, you you could have talked me into maybe. Hey, Kawaguchi's going to finish fifth. Okay, sure. Like that's that seemed possible, but winning there was no way you would have talked me into that. Yeah, I'm mean, Lyndon's run and finished really high in majors before. Yeah, and, and I was still th- surprised. There's that fact, and then you can't. You also can't get over the fact that Yuki's run nine thousand marathons. There's like, there's no way physically it's going to work. It's not going to yeah. work, right? Exactly. Uh, uh, her third point: uh, Yuki has some has got some flack here following his announcement that he's going pro. With some people saying he'll lose his key appeal, and others speculating he won't run faster. Do you think he has faster than 208 in him? I, I don't know why he'll lose his appeal. I mean, he could still run all the races he wants, right? It, That's up in the air, but I would think anybody who sponsors him would be dumb to take away the thing that makes him most appealing. Yeah, I think that and you don't just turn him into choose, any other runner. Yeah, you don't choose to sponsor Yuki Kauchi and then go, okay, so we're running two. This, I, I mean, I don't think that's the case. I hope that's not the case. Uh, could he run faster than 208? Uh, yeah, I mean, he could probably get in. Uh, I'd be surprised if he goes much faster than like 207s, like in a perfect kind of race. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think he'd win Boston, so I've been wrong before. Yeah. It's like, we're going to sign the Beatles to this record label, and you're going to play jazz. <laughs> right? Like, this- <laughs> What? Yeah, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. 
or we're going to sign Carmelo Anthony and put him on the same team as Russell Westbrook. <laughs> uh, weather. Although it was catac- – sorry, a lot of NBA this week, guys. A lot of NBA. Although it was cataclysmic, the finish rates in Boston over the entire field were not affected, and the average 2018 finish times were actually marginally quicker than in the heat of 2017, not for the elites, admittedly. In London, we tested the opposite scenario with the hottest race on record. Here, too, overall finish rates were unaffected, around 98% finish rate. But the average times were hit hard in 2017. 50% of runners finished faster than 426. In 2018, the median finish time was 447. That strikes me as a big difference. My conclusion, Boston was way more unpleasant but had less of an impact on your average under finish time. For the elites, on the other hand, the reverse was true. The top-end finish times took more of a hit in the wind, rain, freezing temps than they did in London's tropical weather. Uh, knowing how much House of Run loves a conversion for wind altitude, could you tell me how many minutes I can knock off my London time given the stupidly un-British temperatures? You got an answer to that one, Jason? Oh, that's a good question. So, yeah, I mean, that is that is interesting. I would have said, yeah, Boston was affected more. Um that, but I, yeah, I mean, heat and cold and wind. Uh, I mean, you certainly get to knock a few minutes off there, right? And that's the average time drop by 20 minutes. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, Boston, too, the people were in by, by and large are qualifying in, too. A different type of It's a good point. Runner, different type of runner. Yeah, I'd give her, uh, I mean, at least two minutes. I'd, yeah. I'd give her at least two minutes. Depends if she had just have male pacers. So you can get 4%. Just take that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mo, the main man. The British media were better behaved than I feared around the Mo hype and most coverage I caught. They did point out he was in no way the favorite. Personally, I'm pretty impressed with his third place in 206-ish in that field. And that weather and off that crazy fast first half, could he set himself up to be a realistic medal contender in a championship-style race, Tokyo 2020? If he could hang with the pack on a slowish race and still have any of his kick left at 22-plus miles, could he be a threat? Too early to tell, but with that London performance, his decision to move the marathon, which had previously slightly baffled me, makes a bit more sense. I think Farah's in that next group, so absolutely. I don't think there's any reason why he can't. I mean, can you confidently name anybody other than Iliad Kipchoge that for sure is going to finish in front of Mo Farah in a marathon? Exactly. I can't. Yeah, I think he's – you're absolutely right. Like, there is – there's a large second group. Like, it's – you know, the, the rotating cast of certain Kenyans and stuff, depending on the, the on the week. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Kipchoge is the only guy who you go, okay, for sure, Kipchoge is better than him, but he's he's right there with everybody else. So yeah, no, I'm, I'd say unquestionably a metal possibility. I'm guessing he's still going with the purpose of going through 2020 to the marathon. I hope Man, so. I would assume that. I haven't heard anything. That would be kind of weird if he didn't. Very quickly, she says, Kipchoge, undisputed marathon goat, Bekele, a goner, Guya Adola, a one-hit wonder. Um, the answer to the first question about Kipchoge, yes. Bekele, no. Adola, too soon to tell? Yeah, it's really, really early for Adola. I mean, he certainly he could be a one-hit wonder, and that wouldn't be the first guy. Um, but I, I, I'll bet he'll he'll do something else. Like, I, he'll have a couple other... It's know, one thing... Or something. It's one thing to drop off when the pace is slow, but if he's dropping off because they go out in 1348, I'm going to be like, all right, I'll give him one more time. Right. I'll give him at least one more time. Uh, and in the marathon weather madness, can we at least get a shout-out for Callum Hawkins collapsing in the final couple miles while in the lead of your favorite championship? Oh, that's right. We didn't get a chance to talk about Commonwealth. And yeah. That was, a bi- that was a big story. To me, it underscored they need to do something ab- about you know people who collapse and fall 
uh, to the ground on marathons. We saw it. Where was that other one? It was a Kenyan woman who was in front. Do you remember? And it, like, yeah. She, it was just bad. There were cameras on him. I, I think you need to do something akin to to boxing or something where if you go down, it's it's easy to spot when they're in the lead too because there's cameras and there's presumably people around. I don't know if you can get somebody medically there, but someone's really going to – I mean, he was he was looking terrible and someone's going to get a head injury falling backwards or something else is going to go wrong. And I get that they want to stay out there and continue, but it's just – it. It's not going to end well. It's not going to end well. And it's one thing when it's like they're in the last, you know, 100 meters or something like that. Right. And they're, and they're crawling on their hands and knees. But this went on for a while. Same thing with that. Can- I mean, it went on. There was no, no reason for it. And I saw, like, people giving crap to the spectators and stuff. And it's like, I mean, I, I get it. It's probably not taking pictures and stuff next to somebody who's collapsing or whatever they were doing. Not sensitive at the moment at all. And underscores our, our current generation, but also like they're not doctors, they're not experts right. on the race. You want them to, you want people. First of all, you don't want to start encouraging people to come out of essentially the sidelines onto the field of play in any in any way, shape, or form. Yes, in any, definitely. In any not. event, right? You, you don't want that. Um, secondly, if you are not a medical doctor, what are you going to do? Mm. It's, you know, you could alert the authorities, but the authorities are, I mean, there's a camera on the guy. So I think, you know, scoffing at the inhumanity of, of the people who weren't doing anything kind of doesn't really, I, 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 it was a no win, it was a no win situation. And the people in charge of the race at that point need to step in and say, this is enough. This is stop. This is stopping at this point. Um, it shouldn't be left up to good Samaritans to, to do something when, I mean, they don't know if he wants help or he needs. I mean, you just and you don't know the the people who you're inviting onto the race course. I mean, it wasn't long ago when, you know, 2004, the defrocked Irish priest ran onto the course and tackled tackled the like that really happened. He tackled the leader. And I'm not saying yeah. that's going to happen, but it's just like there needs to be a sanctity between. And there's there's already not that much room in a lot of these races, and there's a lot of room for stupid, um, for something else to go wrong. Not to mention someone amateur help it giving medical attention in some way, shape or form is not good either, but I'm that's, that's just, that was my take on it. Uh, finally, following Jason's curse on the 200, I'm beginning to think he's now jinxed a marathon, whether gods with his U S men under two ten prediction. I'm expecting at least a plague of locusts for Berlin, 2018 and snowdrifts in Chicago. Best wishes, Allison, formerly from Aberswith, now from London PS looking forward to Kevin's attempt at my Welsh town of origin. Aberstwith. Aberstwith. I don't know which don't. one's right, but I, you did better than I would because I, when, when I get lost, I mean, you got, everyone who's listened to the show has heard me try to pronounce names and places, and it's a disaster. But if I'm really stumped, like I just will pronounce every letter, and it just it comes out awful because that's not how <laughs> words work generally. <laughs> I'm probably wrong, but I got the I got Aber right. Like A-B-E-R. It has to be Aber. Or yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe I was wrong out the gate. Uh, we got four more here. Let's go to Aaron in Canada. So just a quick note to say that I ran in the Vancouver Sun Run this weekend, which is a pretty big event, 50,000. They have multiple bands along the route, and my pace seems to have lined up with some classics. It keeps you running against the wind, weird esoteric horn-based jazz, jazz again, radio DJs chirping runners. <laughs> there was one highlight, though, 
which was the first nation's drum band. They kept a great beat. Anyway, course was good. I recommend it. Uh, that is Aaron. Does that is that the one that goes around Stanley Park? I'm a huge Stanley Park fan. I've been to Vancouver twice, and mm. I think Stanley Park is like one of the best places to run in all of my travels. Um, so it sounds like you got some good meat. But I've heard great stuff. Yeah. About Never it. been to Atlanta either. No, where the players play, and you write on them things like every day. Yeah, Song, there right? should be. I mean, maybe they should. Yeah, that is uh, Jermaine Dupri. That is Jermaine Dupri, who's you know obviously from Atlanta. Um, that and the ATL with TI, I think, will get a lot of play heading into 2020. But I think they should have put the U.S. trials in Vancouver. Now that I think about it, that would have been a power move for the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> Sh- shipping uh, shipping the trials out. Um, <clears throat> let's go to Harrison and Ethan. And I still have Harrison a shirt. Um, <laughs> Subway line runners high for those that celebrated on Friday. Here's what you were probably thinking. And if there's one thing Jason loves more, actually, you know, what I thought about, hmm. uh, let me back up a little bit. I saw on Twitter, there's like a semi pro soccer team coming to Las Vegas. That's sponsored by like a marijuana dispensary. Is that right? Oh, I know they're getting, yeah, some sort of semi pro team, like the Las Vegas lights. I want to say, um, yeah. I, I didn't thought know if they were sponsored by a marijuana dispensary, but that's not surprising. Well, I thought if there's one thing that Jason dislikes more than soccer, it's marijuana <laughs> cult. It's marijuana culture. <laughs> so this is a perfect mix for him. <laughs> he will be at no games. Uh, and Harrison says, for those of you who celebrate on Friday, here's what you're probably thinking. Uh, he said, let's hear your best stoned impression. I'm not going to do a stoned impression. Uh, <laughs> does the track just have do Matthew four- McConaughey. Just- yeah. I-, <laughs> I already did one True Detective reference. I can't do two. That's same, true. So. Yeah. Does a track have four 90-degree turns or two 180-degree turns? In the movie Cars, <laughs> if they're supposed to be people, does that mean their races are actually road marathons? Is competitive swimming just underwater track and field? <laughs> uh, no, because the events are way more <laughs> nonsensical. Uh, dude, license plates are just bib numbers for cars. <laughs> okay, that's my favorite. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, is a marathon a stampede of humans? Do you think the phrase track record originates from, like, track and field? Um, when Kipchoge split 420 for 1600, apparently he leaned over to Mo and said, nice. <laughs> P.S. Yuki Kawichi ran the second half of Boston in 69 minutes. This is just getting this is too much. Here. Well done, Harrison. Uh, Cranston <clears throat> writes in uh, with a Mike Moustakis and Lon Kruger update. Yes. Uh, he says... Uh, Brayden in the effectively wild Facebook. This is getting so obscure. I love <laughs> so right it. Right now. Because it's only for me. It's only, well, and I get it now. So I'm in on yeah. it. Yeah. So right now we have our boy Cranston writing in with something that somebody wrote in a discussion group of a baseball podcast. <laughs> that's that's where we're at. And and what Brayden wrote in was Mike Moustakis was not a fan of my chirp today. Moose should have taken the qualifying offer. Legit, the first time I've ever had a pro death stare at me. I mean, but <laughs> Cranston, being the the skilled uh, podcast facilitator that he is, he says, "Any ideas of trash talk you could use to get under a particular track athlete's skin to get the best reaction? Which track athletes do you think have the thinnest skin?" Mm. Uh, and then s- number two, Lon Kruger talked about his Oklahoma Sooners' disappointing finish to the season. "Quote from a confidence standpoint, we never did get that swagger back." What track athlete has a lot of swagger, lost it, but never got it back? Mm. Ooh. These are good questions. Yeah, these are um, always, always good. I always need to read these ahead of time. and like, I know. I should have 
read this. I like being surprised, but also, yeah, it would help that I give this more than 30 seconds of thought. Um, yeah, I like should have taken the qualifying offer. Uh, for people who don't know what that is, he, he could have, they offered him a qualifying offer, which would have paid him like $18 million for this year. He turned it down because he expected to get a bigger contract and ended up signing for like five or six, like something significantly less. So ended yeah, up in the Vienna I mean, City it, Marathon. Yeah, if you end up, you know, getting $10 million less than you were expecting, then yeah, I'd probably death stare somebody for that as well. Um, what track athletes do I think have the thinnest skin? It's a good question. Um, I think I think all Lolo of Lolo Jones. Yeah. Um, well, I, don't all of like, with the exception of Justin Gatlin, like nobody's really been like, <laughs> yeah, instigator in the current era. Like nobody's really gone after anybody that hard. I guess you could say Farah. But now, I mean, now I'm doing the thickest skin because I, I I don't think anybody would be as um, restrained as Moose was. Um, swagger. I want to see if I mean Kenboy had a lot of swagger, and we don't know if he got it back because he wants to take on all of France. Hashtag No Limits. That's um, yeah, that's true. He and he had yeah more swagger than just about any athlete in the world. He's he's up near the top. Maurice Green had a lot of swagger. Remember the fire extinguisher mm. on the track with his shoes? That's um, right. Yeah. I mean, he lost it. I mean, he had a, he had a good career. He lost it like anybody would have lost it. Um, it's tough with baseball too, because like I mean, baseball you have a you know a three hour game where the you know for a lot of it the guy is right there and you can just literally just yell things at him. Whereas runners, at least you don't get that much opportunity just to like directly yell things that they can hear. Like either they're running by yeah. you in a race, or you know if they're <laughs> warming up or something like that. I guess you could you know yell stuff, but like. It's a lot harder. Like baseball, I, I think those guys have to deal with way worse, you know, stuff from the crowd. Oh, like I've well, I, so, some of the stuff you hear. Like I mean, this should have taken the qualifying offer. Like yeah, he he lost out on ten million dollars. He should be mad about that, and I don't blame him for one second. Um, but this is like on the scale of terrible things I've seen that people have yelled at athletes. Like this is really low on the scale. It's just it's it's clever and kind of a, a jerk thing to say, but it's not like actually evil. I'd say, in general, track and field fans are exponentially nicer than fans of any major sport and more informed. So I think it'd be very rare. I mean, the, and there's not know, the much Brits are going to boo interests. or whatever. I mean, there's, you know, there is some, obviously. Yeah, some yeah, yeah, yeah. But overall, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm a huge track and field fan, and I have my favorite athlete. But, like, I'm rooting just for awesome performances and maybe because mm-hmm. I follow it a lot. But, you know, with, with baseball, with other sports, you have – you know, hardcore fans who are way too invested in the outcome. And I'm one yes. of those sometimes, but I, I never, I never, I've never yelled at athletes um, something because I just don't see the point. Well, especially like a lot when you're at a game too, the stupidity really. Oh, absolutely. Comes out. And, and alcohol's out. flowing. And yeah, I went to the Spurs uh, game three, win against the Warriors. And uh, how was that? Life, I mean, happened. It was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. There was cool. a playoff game. The, and... the we were pretty high up, but I mean, when Manu looked like he was going down, like he got hurt in the end, and people were started chanting his name. Uh, that was that was pretty special. Um, and I don't know. It was just cool to be in the building. The people. I mean, I've loved the team forever, but never. I, this is my second game I've been to. Like never. So I've never like, been around the fans or anything. It's a really strange relationship i have with the team and that i care that much about it but to my right were two women probably in their 
60s who came from Austin like we did mm-hmm. and were just like sitting on the edge of their seat. And one woman, every time Kevin Durant got the ball, was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Which so is that the right reaction she when gave me Kevin Durant hu- has a ball. She gave me the she gave me a hug after the game, uh, which was pretty cool. That's awesome. And then a guy a guy to my a guy to our left, first Spurs game had come from the Philippines, and his grandson was named Manu. He was there by himself. Oh, awesome! The, the, the grandfather. And then to his left were two Warrior fans who were incredibly obnoxious, uh, and I got the condescending Bud from one of them. Bud, oh. like Buddy, not yeah, yeah. So that was good because they left at the third quarter. And I was just like, I didn't say anything because I'm, I'm not going to get into an argument with people like at a sporting event. It's just not, I'm not, not going to do that. Like it's just not going to, but it's also, it's also infuriating because it's just the, the dumbest, stupidest thing. And it's like, they had thunder sticks too. So they're like clapping them the entire mm. time and you're way up high and it's just, it's just annoying. And you took all that time to get there and you want to have just like a good experience. I'm not saying don't cheer for your team, but just, they're just going out of their way to be obnoxious and they weren't funny. Like if you can land the joke. Right. Okay. But just being like, hey, Parker, you suck. Like, <laughs> it's annoying. Yeah. So they left. And, and granted, like most Warrior fans, they probably found out they had a basketball team three years ago. <laughs> so it's just like, come on. Um, so when they went up to, they got up to, they left after the third quarter because they said they had to fly back to the Bay Area. I doubt they're from the Bay Area. I'm sure they were just one of the nine million Warrior fans who cropped up in 2015. Uh, I didn't get out of my – you know how you kind of stand up to, like, let people out? Right. I kind of moved to the side a little bit, but, I like, Katie stood up to give him more room. I mm. didn't. I'm like, I'm going to make this as – you made this this that unpleasant. I'm going to make this as unpleasant as possible for you to get out of these seats. Right. Um, so as the, guy walk, as the guy walked by me, he, like, put his hand on my shoulder. He's like, thanks for making this as hard as possible, bud. And I just looked at him like, hmm? Yep. I said, you – oh, I, wanted, I wanted to say something more direct. Right. Oh, it's, it's really hard to bite your tongue at that point. Well, and also too, it's like you've been here for three quarters. Stay around and take the loss. Yeah, take the loss. don't don't leave after a quarter. I mean, the, and the game was still in doubt too. But stay and take the loss. Don't don't chirp the entire game, and then say you have a flight to catch. You don't have a flight to catch, man. Yeah, no. Why would you buy tickets for no. a game that you couldn't watch the end of? Yeah, and like there's that. no direct flights from Austin to Reno. I already checked, like on Southwest. <laughs> so there's no way they possibly could have got back there. All right, that was my experience. It was it was amazing. I mean, I'm not gonna let them. But it was amazing. It was awesome. And you um, got to see a win, which was really, which and, was and, really cool. Yeah, and all the stuff with with Popovich because his wife passed away. Like, it 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 was a game. Like, it was a singular game. Like, you could block out everything else. Like, look, I know they're probably gonna lose the series, and they did. But it's like for this this two hours, like I'm just gonna really in, enjoy this game, and everybody was really into it just because all the stuff that's been going on around the team. So it was yeah. cool. Uh, Last email from uh, J-Mac in Hot Ooh. Springs, Arkansas. Writing in a hot take here. It says, loss of Caribbean recruiting opportunities means the SEC will eventually swallow their pride and return to the Penn Relays. We do have an interesting situation this weekend uh, with Penn Relays, the Drake Relays, and then the National Relay Championships. Like, usually teams would, you know, congregate at one and now right. they're like all these college teams are split three ways, and a lot of the SEC teams are going to the national relay championships because they're in Arkansas. So a lot of the head to head matchups that you might have been used to are now mm. not happening. Um, and you know four by one, four by four, and four by twos, and things like that. So track and field, man. 
track and field. <laughs> but but according to J Mac, according to J Mac, they're gonna they're gonna go back. It'll it'll revert to its old ways. Mm. So we'll see. Well, an NCAA like randomly. I know this isn't necessarily NCAA, but like randomly changing around allegiances um, and conferences and stuff like that is always yeah. the weirdest part of college sports to me. Yeah. How the yes. Big Ten can yeah. have 12 teams and the Big 12 can have 11 teams. And I, I, don't, I, I you know, I was never um, huge on college football, but like I'm more confused by it than ever. <laughs> yeah. I just bummed San Diego State didn't make the move to the Big East. I was like all in on that. Right. That's, yeah. That would have, because that would have just cemented the just absurdity. They could have borrowed some LA Kipchoge cement and just, yeah, done it. (laughs) Well, then, then when you were in New York to watch uh, the London Marathon, you could have checked out some San Diego State hoops. Perfect. Two birds with one stone. (laughs) House of Run at gmail.com is the email address. Thanks to everybody who wrote in. This was awesome. A great, great selection. Uh, of emails thanks for everybody um who shared their boston marathon experiences very inspirational illuminating humorous all at once um we we really enjoyed combing through those and thanks to the people who sent stuff uh, via twitter as well great job out there enjoy your new pr regardless of actually set a pr jason's giving you a pr absolutely so hey you ran that. that you you deserve it so and then, yeah, it's something to shoot for for next time. Like, you're going to easily shatter your, you know, Boston time on your next race. So it's going to feel good, but you still deserve the PR right now. Congrats, congrats, congrats. All right, until next week. Jessica Ennis. Dude, license plates are just bib numbers for cars. <laughs>